Well, amen. Well, I miss my mother on Mother's Day. I tell you what, I wish all of you could have known my mother. She was a cross between uh, Minnie Pearl and Irma Bombeck. If you would just put those two together, that would pretty well be my mother. She played the guitar and sang, and uh, she had her own language to such a degree. They even made a dictionary just called Mamaw's Dictionary, and uh, she had her own uh, her own dictionary because she had so many unique sayings and unique words, and I miss her so much. She was such a, a formative part of my life, and uh, much of who I am today, I really owe to her, and I, I am so grateful for her influence and for her love and for her example. Well, I appreciate my wife reading that uh, passage you know, there are a lot of women in the Bible that we could talk about on Mother's Day. Obviously, we could talk about that ideal woman, almost non-existent woman in Proverbs 31, you know, that woman that just is perfect in every way, and uh, uh, there's uh, uh, that's kind of, that's not a description maybe of any woman as much as it is a goal for, for every mother. But, uh, in fact, I'm preaching a funeral day after tomorrow for a, a, a lady, a 102-year-old lady, that I think pretty much, best I can tell, uh, had achieved much of Proverbs 31. And uh, so it'll be a, a blessing, really, to preach her funeral. But, uh, but there are other mothers. There are many mothers in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But I wanted to think about... This particular mother, Hannah. Hannah wanted to be a mother so much. And I, I, I longed to, to be a father as well. In fact, one of the things that uh, kind of confirmed to me that I was going to marry Carol is that when we started dating one another, she talked about wanting children and uh, that she just so much wanted to be a mother. And I thought, well... I want to be a father, so that's a pretty good combination, and uh, we I think we can work that out. By the way, I, uh, well, I don't want to even get off to talk about same-sex marriage and all that kind of stuff, but that's, uh, I'm just going to not even go there. But I'm just so thankful that my wife is a woman, and uh, I'll just put it that way. I'll just put it that way, yeah. I, <clears throat> amen, and uh uh, there are lots of things I could go on and say it here, but I'm just going to come back to Hannah. Uh, but uh, I think about Hannah. This was a, an unusual story in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of people say, well, uh, isn't this a, an unusual story because uh, uh, Elkanah had two wives, and we know that uh, God never ordained polygamy. He never ordained that men should have more than one wife. Uh, the very beginning, the Bible says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, singular. They too shall be one flesh. And so people ask me, you know, well, well, why, why does God allow polygamy? And it seems like he almost affirms it. No, he doesn't affirm it, just like he doesn't affirm slavery. But he, he saw in culture that certain things went against God's design. God never intended for people to be slaves or to have slaves. God never intended for a man to have more than one wife. But in the sinful, fallen culture, 
things happen that uh, aren't supposed to happen. It's like God doesn't plan for injustice. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't ordain for somebody to slap you on one cheek. But he says if it happens, then you're to turn the other cheek. You're not to try to get revenge. So in the Bible, we read of several of the great heroes, even in the Bible, who had more than one wife. But every situation, every example in the Bible where there was more than one wife, there was added difficulty and added problems, that's for sure. And we see it here with, uh, with Penina and Hannah, who was married to Elkanah, or Elkanah, and... Uh, so what can we say about Hannah? Well, for one thing, she had a, a good relationship with her husband. And even though he was married to another woman, in addition to her, Hannah honored her husband. And she went with him to worship. And that's two things I'd say about them. They, they shared worship together. And all you young ladies, let me just tell you, someday you're going to meet some guy and you're maybe meet lots of guys, probably have already met lots of guys, but you're going to meet some guy that you're going to think about, that he's going to act like you know he wants you to marry him and everything like that. And I just want to say, make sure that he is a worshiper and a lover of Jesus. I don't mean just that he goes to church. There are a lot of guys that go to church that don't love Jesus. In fact, some of them go to church to try to find a good girl, you know, try to find a, a, a girl that, that, uh, that they want to marry. They want to marry a good girl. They kind of, sometimes they want to date bad girls, but then they want to marry a good girl, you know. And then some girls, they want to date bad boys, but don't do it. Don't even date a bad boy because I have found out that most people marry somebody they date. And profound, see? You figured that out too, hadn't you? So if you don't ever date an unbeliever, then you won't marry an unbeliever. So there will be some boys that will ask you out, and you don't necessarily just ask, well, are you a lover of Jesus? But you watch him. You ask, uh, can we go to church together? Can we worship together? And then you watch the way he worships. Does he, uh, does he have a heart that's sensitive to God? Does he pray? And, uh, and, and if, if he's a, a lover of Jesus, that doesn't mean you ought to marry him just because he's a lover of Jesus. There are some other, other qualities, too, you want to look for. And one of them, make sure you love him, you know. And so, uh, but, but Hannah and her husband worshiped God together. He would go up year by year, and she would go up with him. And they would worship together and pray together, and so they shared worship. But they also shared love. It says that Elkanah loved Hannah. Now, I don't know how I felt about Penina. It doesn't say he loved Penina. Uh, uh, she doesn't seem to me like the kind of lady that maybe she ought to be because she mocked Hannah and ridiculed her and kind of rubbed it in on her that she had children and Hannah didn't have any children. But, uh, but there's no doubt that Elkanah loved Hannah. It says it clearly. It says, and he loved her. Now, he had a pretty good self-image, didn't he? 
because he said, <laughs> I couldn't believe he said this. He said, am I not more to you than ten sons? And she probably is thinking, well, I love you, but I'd kind of like to have some sons. And if I had ten sons, uh, you might rank in there somewhere, but uh, but you uh, Anyway, I just thought it's pretty interesting that he he thought so highly of himself that he thought, well, you got me. What else could you want? Well, she said, well, what else I want is I want to have a baby. I want to have a son. I want to be a mother. So they shared worship and they shared love. So she had a right relationship with her husband, but she also had a right relationship with God. She had... Uh, I, I've got just six things that I put down here, and all of them start with the letter P. So there's a pod of P's for you for Hannah. Uh, she had a passion to raise up a godly child. She didn't just want to have a baby. She wanted to have a child that she could dedicate to God and that God could use. In, in ancient Israel, the idea of raising up Godly seed was so vitally important. It should be to us as well today. And so she had a passion for children, a passion for godly children. I understand today, I mean, I, I don't fully understand it, but I, I, I've read that in America, we're having fewer children than ever at any other time in America. Now, uh, many people from the uh, uh, Muslim community are having many children. And, uh, and there are some subcultures in America that are having lots of children. But mainline American women are, many of them are rejecting children. They don't want to have children. They, 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 they want to have a career. They want to have a, uh, a boat. They want to have a big house. They want to have uh, a big bank account, but they don't want to have children. I kind of understand it from a human perspective because it is costly to have children. Isn't that true? Yeah, go ahead and say amen. I know, yeah. It's costly financially. I've read that a parent from the time that a baby is born until they graduate from college, that parents will spend a quarter of a million dollars on each child. So, Ashley, <laughs> half a million dollars coming up here. Oh, 200. 250000 for Joshua. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I tell you, you better have some help from your grandparents, from, <clears throat> from, from parents and grandparents. And by the way, let me just, this is a side note. Grandparents, great-grandparents, there is no better way to spend your money than to help your children have children. And to, and, to, and to help pay for their education, help pay for their needs. And uh, again, 
There are lots of uh, self-centered, selfish, greedy grandparents in the world today who are spending a lot of money on stuff that they can't ever take with them to heaven. But I tell you what, I have 10, my wife and I have 10 grandchildren, and the great desire of my heart is to see all 10 of them go to heaven where we'll be someday. And any way that we can help them, if it's to help them get a car, if it's to help them in some way, more than their parents can help them maybe, then I want to do that. And I can't think of a better way that I'd rather spend my money, our money, than to help our children and our grandchildren. And now we have two great-grandchildren, soon to have a third great-grandchild, and any way that we can help, because it costs a lot to raise kids. Amen? Amen. Yea, verily, and for sure. But it doesn't just cost money. It costs time. You cannot raise kids without a huge investment of time. You, I know that today, you know, you can hand them up a, a video game or an iPad or something and let them play. Uh, I don't think that's wise. I'm not saying it's sinful. And you might let them do that while you're trying to cook or something like that. But you ought to want to have time with them. It costs a lot in time. It costs a lot in emotion. It costs a lot of tears. And I tell you, over the years, nothing has been a greater sense of, of uh, st- struggle and even pain than to see our children in pain. And when you see your children hurt, you hurt with a hurt deeper than than when something happens to you. Isn't that the truth? I mean, uh, I could break a leg and I just limp. But if one of my kids breaks a leg, I hurt more than I would if I broke a leg. And then it costs a lot emotionally as they get older and then they begin to go through struggles and stuff. They begin to make choices that we wish they wouldn't make. And I tell you, it's just painful. It's, it's costly to be a mother. And this woman, this woman, she had a passion to have a child, but not just a child, not just a son, but a son that would help raise up godly generations in the years to come. And that's what we want to pray for. And those of you who still have children at home, Jeanette and, and uh, Elizabeth, Stephanie, others of you, Elizabeth, second Elizabeth, uh, and, and others, and Ashley, look, you don't just pray for your kids to be healthy. It's okay to pray that. I, I want them to be healthy. You don't just pray for them to be smart. It's great for them to be smart, but I tell you what, I never, never put a lot of uh, focus on wanting my kids to be the A honor roll. If they did, that's okay. But if they didn't, that's okay too. And But I tell you what I did want. I wanted our children to love Jesus. I wanted them to obey 
him and to love the word of God and to love to worship. And I'm nothing pleases me more than to see my children walking in truth. And so uh, for Hannah, she had a passion for a godly seed. She had she believed in prayer. That's the second piece. She was a woman of prayer. When she saw that she didn't have a child and that she was actually mocked by her rival for not having a child, she went to God. And she poured her soul out and poured her heart out in prayer. And she wept and she fasted and she prayed fervently for a child. And, of course, she was misunderstood. Doesn't say a whole lot about Eli, by the way, that he says to her, woman, you're drunk, you know. She wasn't drunk. He didn't have much perception, did he? And we know that because he didn't raise his own kids to love God. His two boys were rebels. But she prayed. She poured her heart out. God, please, please give me a child. And if you do, I vow that I will give him to you. And uh, that's the third P is presentation. She said, Lord, I just, I present my petition to you. And if you answer it, I present my child to you. Also, she was a woman of purity. He said, uh, uh, Eli said, you're, you're a drunkard. Give up your wine. And she said, sir, I've not had anything to drink. And I'm not a worthless woman. I'm a godly woman. I'm a woman of purity of heart and purity of behavior. She was a woman of purity. And I'd say to our mothers today, uh, behave yourself. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I, I mean, that's what I say. There's a lot of stuff that you can get into that you ought not to be into. A lot of stuff you can watch that you ought not to watch. There's a lot of ways you can spend your time that are frivolous and uh, be a woman of purity, a woman with a pure heart, a pure mind, and pure behavior. And then she was a woman of patient faith. She waited on the Lord. She made her prayer, and then... Eli says to her, uh, you know, go your way. God grant you the petition you ask for. And she went and she waited and waited. And in time, God answered her prayer. She was willing to wait on the Lord. Waiting is one of the hardest things, isn't it? Just waiting on God to answer. But she did. She had patient faith. And then... Finally, she had praise. She praised God. She gave him gratitude and, and uh, recognition for answering her prayer. And then she had a right home relationship, a right husband relationship, a right heavenly relationship, and then a right home relationship. She dedicated her child to God. Now I know we have baby dedications, and that's kind of a formal thing, 
But, you know, you could go through the process of formal dedication and not dedicate your child to God. And you can dedicate them to God and not uh, go through a formal dedication. I think you ought to do both. And uh, I can remember when our first child was born, our daughter was born, I was pastoring a church out in the country in uh, West Tennessee. And I came home. Uh, back, back then, they didn't allow the husbands hardly in the same county where the baby is being born. You know, it was ridiculous. They just wouldn't even let me go in and see my wife and my baby. And then and they had such strict visiting hours. I came back to see my wife after the baby was born. And I went to go in. They said, I'm sorry, you can't see her. Visiting hours are over. I said, but I'm her husband. They said, I'm sorry, you can't go in and see her. Visiting hours are over. So I went back to the car and pouted for a minute. And then they changed shifts there. And so I went in to the lady at the desk. I said, "Uh, I need to see Miss Harris, please. I'm her pastor. And they said, oh, pastors are allowed to go in. So I walked on in. I'm giving my wife a big old kiss, and the nurse comes walking in. She said, what's going on here? I said, I'm her pastor. (laughs) She said, well, you're a friendly pastor. (laughs) Well, I'm also her husband. She said, get out of here, and she run me out. (laughs) So I felt like, I mean, I was her pastor, and uh, but it didn't work out quite like I thought it should. But I, I just... Remember when uh, when Kim was born, and then later when Jason was born, when Heather was born, I went out, got by myself, and I got down on my knees, and I remember praying specifically when Kim was born. I I prayed the same with others, but that was the first one, and I said, God, I don't care if I never pastor a big church. I don't care if I'm never recognized in our denomination. I don't care if I ever have much money, but God, please, I want to be a good daddy. And I want me and Carol to raise our children to know you. And if I fail at everything else, please don't let me fail at that. And listen, We dedicated each of our kids to the Lord as they were born. And that's what Hannah did. She dedicated her son to God. She said, God has answered my prayer. Samuel, he has has given me. God has given me what I ask for. And she said, now I want to give him back to you. And she literally gave him. When she went back up, we're told later, and and beyond the passage Carol read, that she took Samuel after he was weaned and took him to to Shiloh, to the place of worship, and said to Eli, the high priest, I want to give my son to God. And she would come up year by year, maybe more often than that, and she would bring him a little priestly robe, really, 
and she would give it to him and would remind him, son, God has a purpose for you. God has something for you. And God did have something for him. This little boy grew up to be the prophet Samuel. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. And he confronted the kings when they didn't do right. And he led the nation. He actually led the nation in revival, renewal, worship, service to God. And it started with a mother's passionate heart to have a child. It started with a prayer, God, give me a baby, and I'll give that baby boy to you, and you can use him. And then it progressed with her year by year, and I take that to mean continuously, constantly, reminding him that he was a gift from God and that God had a purpose for him. So mothers, do that. Do that with your children, even after they're grown. I say to my son and to my daughters, you know, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. Don't, don't give up. You say, well, I, I hadn't been able to accomplish all that I wanted to. Huh? You've still got years ahead of you. You've still got life ahead of you. And uh, our oldest daughter sometimes gets discouraged, and she'll say, Daddy, I, life's just not turning out for me the way I want it to. I said, how old are you? I already know, of course. And uh, she'll tell me. I say, well, that means you've got 30 more years, 40 more years. So keep looking forward. Keep looking upward. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God wants to use you. And so I'd say to you, mothers, how many of you prayed for a baby? Mothers, how many of you prayed for a baby before you had a baby? Okay. All right. Saw a couple of men hold up their hand, man. That's that's good, okay? I did too. I did too. We prayed that God would give us a baby. And uh I just urge you to present them to God. You say, Well, mine are already grown. Mine are well, still present them to God. You know, there are some maybe some of you have grown children who are not walking with God. Nothing, nothing grieves a mother's heart anymore than to have a grown child who's not walking with God. Isn't that true? That's true, isn't it? So what do you do? You do what Hannah did. You pray. You pray with all your heart, all the passion of your heart. God, please turn their hearts, turn their hearts back to you. And that's what we'll pray for today. So Hannah, a wonderful mother, a wonderful mother, a mother who had a right husband relationship in a difficult situation, had a right heavenly relationship and a right home relationship. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today 
that in spite of a culture that almost minimizes motherhood and even parenthood, I pray that you will help us to treasure it because you treasure it. All through your word, you make it clear that children are a heritage of the Lord. They're a gift from you. And that even in the womb, you are forming precious children of your design. And that we have no right ever, ever to terminate a a baby that's growing in the womb. Because you knew this baby before it was born. And Father, I pray that you will help us to have a renewed focus on uh, the blessedness of being a parent and the blessing of children. And I pray for Christian young couples that they won't just have one child or two children and, and, and then decide that's all they can afford. I pray that they will dedicate themselves to you and have the children that you want them to have. And Lord, what a difference it could make if the godly people in America would have a half dozen children in each family. Lord, what a difference it could make in the next generation. And I pray that you will help us to love our children, present them to you, fervently pray for them, no matter what their age is, and serve you with all of our heart and mind. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.